The lesson today is the Son brings eternal life. We find this in John chapter 3. Now John began his gospel helping his readers to understand that Jesus is God and that he actually pre-existed at creation and, wasn't, was ad, and actually was active in creation. He continued with John the Baptist and his pointing to Jesus as the Lamb of God. He then moved to the beginning of Jesus' ministry as he gathered his disciples. In chapter 2, Jesus turned water into wine and began to show people how he is able to transform things in his power for his glory. His zeal for the Lord is unmatched. Now in chapter 3 then begins with one it begins with one of the Pharisees Nicodemus approaching Jesus at night. Nicodemus wanted to talk with Jesus about the signs that Jesus was doing. Now in John chapter 2 Jesus performs signs revealing his identity as the Messiah. Right before our text in chapter 3 it says that Jesus knew what was in man. That's John chapter 2, verse 25. Jesus knows what consumes us, our desires, our sin, our hope. Over the next few chapters of John's gospel, Jesus has a number of conversations in which he reveals his knowledge of what each individual needs and his purpose for coming to fulfill those needs. The first point is that the Son came so that people might experience new birth. That's John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anyone be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked him, Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now John chapter 3 opens with a man named Nicodemus, who's described as a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. This means that Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish governing body called the Sanhedrin. He was um, someone that the Jewish people actually looked up to. He was in a position of leadership and likely had riches. In John chapter 19, verse 39, he brings expensive spices to anoint Jesus' body for the tomb after the crucifixion. In addition to being a leader in the community, he would have been known for his morality being a Pharisee. Nicodemus was a man the community thought had it all, authority, money, and morality. Nicodemus went to Jesus at night. The themes of light and darkness are, are evident all throughout the Gospel of John. Often, physical darkness hints at the presence 
of spiritual darkness. This event taking place at night alluded to the fact that Nicodemus was lost in spiritual darkness, but he was searching. Nicodemus acknowledged Jesus as a rabbi and teacher and saw the signs that Jesus was doing. He surmised with some skepticism that one couldn't do such things unless God were with him. Jesus responded with the same word, unless. Unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. With each unless, there's an unspoken question being asked. Is God really with you? As asked by Nicodemus. And are you really born again by Jesus? Jesus was in a teaching moment with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was confused by what Jesus meant, so he asked, How can anyone be born when he's old? Being born again was a new and very strange concept. Jesus, however, was not speaking about a physical birth. He was speaking about something much, much deeper, a spiritual birth. But two questions come out of this statement by Jesus. Why does one need to be born again? And how is one born again? In response to why, all people need to be born again because of our sinfulness. How, do we, how we do things in the flesh, satisfying our sinful desires instead of God's desires. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, they did not just break a rule. They corrupted human nature at its core. All people are dead in their sins and in rebellion to God. When born into this world, we're naturally born with a sinful nature. And our sinful nature is the reason why we need to be born again and made new. Our behavior, however good, will always miss the mark of God's perfect holiness. And how is one born again, Jesus explained, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus was speaking of a spiritual birth that cleanses us from sin and brings life to where there was only death. This was clear in the Old Testament, and Nicodemus should have known that. In verse 10, Jesus rebuked Nicodemus for being a teacher of Israel, yet not knowing what Jesus was talking about. In the Old Testament, water and spirit were used to signify a cleansing from impurity and the transformation of the heart that enables God's people to follow him faithfully. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 to 27, the Lord said that he would cleanse his people with water and give them a new spirit, putting his spirit in them. Jesus was pointing Nicodemus back to this teaching of new birth that was evident in Ezekiel. Jesus telling Nicodemus that he needed to be born again to be a part of God's kingdom absolutely would have been shocking to him. Nicodemus already thought he was part of God's kingdom. If there ever were someone whom the Jews thought would be a part of the kingdom, it would have been a man like Nicodemus. Yet, entrance into God's kingdom does not come about by anything that we can physically do. It's only by what God has done doesn't matter who you are or what you have, whether you're good or bad. All 
need to be born again. To be born again is more than simply a reformation of one's character. It's to be completely changed and made new by the power of the gospel that cleanses and purifies and puts the Holy Spirit within you. Jesus came to earth so that people might experience new birth. We've seen why people must be born again, and now we're going to look at how people might have eternal life. The Son came so that people might have eternal life. We find this in John chapter 3, verses 9 to 16. How can these things be? asked Nicodemus. Are you a teacher of Israel and don't know these things? Jesus replied. Truly I tell you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. In the previous section, Jesus taught on the need to be born again. Here we see where the new birth um, that brings eternal life is found. Nicodemus was still confused about Jesus' talk of being born again and being born of the Spirit, so he asked, well, how can these things be? Jesus then explained how he and his disciples and those who believe testify to what they've seen, including the fulfillment of prophecies and the signs and miracles that Jesus was performing. But the Pharisees and Nicodemus, as their representative at this point, did not accept their testimony. Jesus pointed to the fact that even the signs he was doing on earth weren't enough to get some to believe. Those who didn't believe these earthly signs wouldn't understand the deeper, heavenly things. Then pointing to his deity and understanding of the heavenlies, Jesus identified himself as the Son of Man who has descended from heaven and will ascend into heaven. Then in verses 14 and 15, Jesus pointed Nicodemus to where new birth and eternal life are found. They're found in looking to the Son of Man who must be lifted up. The statement of Jesus being lifted up refers to Jesus being lifted up on the cross, as well as to his resurrection and exaltation to the right hand of God the Father. Jesus reminded Nicodemus of the story of Moses and the serpents that afflicted the people of Israel. After God delivered the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt and provided for their needs in the wilderness, they began to grumble and complain. God sent plagues of venomous snakes upon them to judge them, and many people died. The people then repented, and God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole. Those who were bitten by the snakes would look to the bronze serpent, and God would heal them. 
In the wilderness, God graciously gave the people a way to be delivered from their sins. Jesus showed how the deliverance God gave the people in the wilderness was meant to be a picture of the salvation he came to bring the world. In a similar way to how the Israelites in the desert needed to look to the bronze serpent to be healed of their snake bites, so do all need to look to Christ in faith to be delivered from the punishment of our sin. The good news of Jesus Christ being lifted up on the cross shows that people who have been infected by the poison of sin that goes to the depths of their souls can look to Jesus Christ and find salvation. So why would God do this? For God loved the world. Jesus spelled it out for Nicodemus. God's love is so full for the world that he gave his one and only Son so that those who believe in him would have eternal life. This was an interesting word for, wording for the Jews who mainly associated God's love with his covenant, his covenant people, Israel. Yet God's love for the world, for those who were Jews and those who were Gentiles, he gave his son for all of them, but they still had to choose to believe or not. Now John 3.16 is really one of the most popular verses, but is likely one of the most misquoted as well. Some will focus purely on God's love in order to excuse people for, for their sins. Others will try to say that because of God's love, everyone will have eternal life. Skipping everyone who believes. God's love, however, is never meant to be an excuse to sin. Rather, it's meant to drive us to true belief. As we will see in the next point, humans deserve God's righteous judgment for their sins. But the good news of the gospel is that God has not left his people in their sin, but has provided eternal life through his Son. There are only two categories of people. Those who believe and have eternal life, and those who do not believe and are going to perish. This should cause us to live our mission of telling people the good news of Jesus Christ and the hope of eternal life. Continuing on in Jesus' teaching in Nicodemus, we see a fuller gospel. A fuller gospel message, one that includes God's love and his holiness. Only through Jesus can one be saved. Apart from him, no one is able to be saved. This third point is the Son came so that people might escape condemnation. We find this in John chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because of their because because their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it so that his deeds may not be exposed but anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light so that his work may be shown to be accomplished by God 
John continued to explain the mission that Christ was sent to the world to accomplish, namely to bring salvation to the world. Christ came into this world to accomplish what no one could. No amount of human wisdom, philosophy, or morality could bring about salvation. Men and women are dead in their sins, and nothing could rescue them except Jesus. Do you find it fascinating that Jesus' mission and coming into the world was not to bring condemnation? Why did Jesus not bring condemnation? Verse 18 helps explain this. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned. The world due to its sinfulness is already under the condemnation and judgment of God. Christ did not need to come into the world and declare it is condemned because he was sent to save this lost and already condemned world. In verses 16 to 18, we see an emphasis on the belief, on belief in and through Christ. In appears three times and through once. John was showing the primary primacy of believing in the Son. It's, it is in and through Christ that we believe and are saved. Humans cannot believe in themselves to be saved, nor can they believe in some politician or political party. Salvation comes only through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18 again reveals two groups, those who believe and those who do not, those who are saved because of their belief and those who do not believe and are condemned. There are many today who do not like to talk about condemnation and judgment. There are some who struggle with the idea that God is both loving and yet he condemns sin. But in that fact lies the key. God condemns sin because he is loving. He wants the best for us. And he knows that sin corrupts us. If he did not condemn sin and evil, how could he be a good and loving God? We must not shy away from teaching both the love of God for sinners and his just condemnation of sin. Have you ever been in a dark room and then turned on a light? When the light turns on, things that were hidden in the darkness now have been exposed. Similarly, when Jesus, the light of the world, came down from heaven, the darkness was pushed back and sin was fully exposed. Due to the fact that God is good and holy, he must judge the world. Part of that judgment is that the light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. That's John chapter 3, verse 19. Jesus is the light of the world. When Jesus came into the world, his light exposed all of this dark sinfulness. Earlier, John's Gospel says of Jesus, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The evil of human beings is demonstrated in that they run from the light. They run from Christ instead of running to eternal life. Sinful human beings would rather run toward condemnation. Even Christians may be tempted to run from Christ to run from the light. Are you tempted to hide sin instead of running to the light of Christ and forgiveness that is found in him alone? 
Are you tempted to cover up your evil? Those who love the darkness are people who are not willing to live and act in truth. These people who value their own pride more than the light and life of Christ. Christians should not be those who cover up sin and flee from the light. They should be people of purity, integrity, and truthfulness, knowing that the transformative work in them is being accomplished by God. John chapter 3 shows us God's love in giving His only Son, proclaims Jesus' mission to bring salvation and confronts our condemned condition that leads to death. How should we respond? Well, there are only two ways. You either believe in Jesus or you reject Him. You either run from the light or you run to it. You either run from Christ or you run to Him and be saved. I want to close this lesson with a voice from church history. Gregory of Nazianzen, who was um, alive from 329 to 390, said, And indeed from the Spirit comes our new birth, and from the new birth our new creation, and from the new creation our deeper knowledge of dignity of Him for whom it is derived. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth, to the light of the world, to expose our sin and corruption. But not only to expose it, Lord, but you sent him to die on the cross for our sins and even more importantly, to be resurrected and brought back to new life so that we might have eternal life and that you would wash our sins away. Heavenly Father, I pray for those who are sick and hurting today that you would just reach out and wrap your loving arms around them and restore them and lift them up. And Lord, I pray for anyone who's listening to this lesson today that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Lord, that you would just send the Holy Spirit to them to open their hearts and minds to the gospel of Jesus and his saving grace, and that no matter how filthy and dirty you might think you are, Jesus loves you anyway. It doesn't matter how dark and sinful you might be, but Jesus' light can clean all of that away. And Lord, I pray that you go with everyone who listens to this lesson this week, and just send the Holy Spirit to guide their steps and just show them who they need to share this God-loving gospel light of Jesus with this week. For it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Amen.